So today we're uh, wrapping up our We're In This Together series about family and relationships, and we're going to take a look again at the classic prayer Jesus taught, the Lord's Prayer, kind of as a foundation for what we as parents ought to be doing with our kids. And as I said last week, even if you're not a, a parent, these messages are for you, because in God's design, it's not just parents who raise a child, uh, a church raises a child. And that's why uh, at Fort City, we make children's ministry and youth ministry such a big deal. Uh, we, we just need to come together to help the next generation learn what it means to know Jesus, experience Jesus, what it means to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, we need our kids to understand how they can walk and talk with Jesus throughout their day. And while parents play a key role, the power of people who are not the kids' parents, like youth leaders, you know, who are there for the kids, who listen, who model, who mentor, it's absolutely powerful. And that's why you hear us challenging you all the time to step up and volunteer and be a part of Kid City Upstairs or Youth on Tuesday nights or, or our, our lunch program on Tuesdays and Thursdays because as we work together, the lives of the next generation change. And there's a story that I have often told about when one of my daughters as a kid in a uh, Sunday school was being a bit of a brat, and she managed to get herself uh, uh, kicked out of uh, Sunday school. And you know the pastor's kid getting kicked out of Sunday school? That's not always so cool. But anyways, I'm sure that'll never happen to Lucas or Matt's kids, but you never know. And, and my daughter, when she got expelled from her Sunday school class, she was pretty sure that life as she knew it would end when I found out. So uh in between the two Sunday services, after getting kicked out at the first service, she ran over to the home of a, a, an adult junior high youth group leader who attended the first service but was now home. My daughter ran to her home, knocked on the door, and said to this woman, something to the effect, Kathy, my dad's going to kill me. I, I just got kicked out of Sunday school. And Kathy had compassion on Susan, and they actually went back to the church together Kathy got Susan to apologize to the Sunday school teacher. The teacher accepted the apology, and, and life went on. I mean, isn't that awesome? For me, what was so powerful was the fact that my daughter had another adult in the church that she trusted. She had an adult friend that she knew she could turn to when she was in trouble. I call that other adult a para-parent, and that para-parents just made all the difference for my daughter. That daughter, by the way, is now a young 30-something, but still has a good relationship with Kathy. I mean, that's just the power of a church when we work together to raise the next generation. We all have a role to play somewhere. And that means that all of us need to listen to the message today, whether we have kids or not. And yeah, because we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, really there is something for everyone because the Lord's Prayer applies to all of us. Rick Warren, he's the pastor of a Saddleback Church in Southern California. He's written a kid's book on the Lord's Prayer. It's an awesome book to use with your kids. And that book is the inspiration for this week's and last week's message. I've ordered some copies of the book for our small bookstore in the lobby, and I'm still waiting for them to arrive. And as I said last week, there are eight truths in the Lord's Prayer that we can be teaching our children. I've grabbed them from that book, and... I mean, they're not too complicated if they can be all summed up in a, in a kid's book, but I think they're, they're profound. And uh, these are truths that you just never stop uh, teaching your kids or stop teaching to yourself. This is stuff that we just don't need for our kids, but uh, if we can get this to our kids, man, what a solid foundation they'll be on. And what I want us to all understand about the Lord's Prayer is that it's not just a prayer to be prayed. It's a, a template to be lived. It's a, it's a lifestyle to be lived. 
And what you find in the Lord's Prayer are God's solution to some of the greatest emotional problems kids and all of us have growing up. Now maybe, for those of you that are younger, the new normal of our world just seems normal to you, but times are changing pretty quickly, and as the times change and as values in our culture change, the result is not all that pretty, always, and uh, because we live in an age where we've never seen so many emotional and mental health issues emerging in kids. The suicide rate has never been higher. And the solution to many, if not most of the issues kids face today, can be found in the Lord's Prayer. We looked at three issues last week where we saw that we need to teach our kids, number one, that God wants to have an intimate relationship with me, our Father. Number two, that God deserves my honor, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And thirdly, God's purpose for me is part of a much larger plan. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was last week, and if you missed it, I encourage you to watch it online. Our, our webpage is one of the easiest ways to catch that message. You can also listen to it on iTunes. But now, let's keep looking at five more things that we need to be teaching our kids that we ourselves need to first understand and experience so that we can pass this stuff on to our kids. Let's start with the first one for this week. Number one, we need to teach our children that God can meet all of our needs. But you have to really believe that yourself. You've got to personally experience God as the one who personally meets your needs before you can really pass this on to your kids that I really don't need to look to anything else, that that I look to God to meet my needs, that God is my provision. You see, Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Daily. God wants us to learn to depend on him daily, to look to him daily to meet our needs. God God wants us to learn to depend on him. If if you're a parent, think about what it means to parent. Your goal is to raise your children from dependence on you to independence. But but it doesn't stop there. Your goal is to shift your kid from dependence on you to dependence on God. When your child is an infant, a toddler, a baby, you you know, they are 100% dependent on you. As your children are growing up, you are teaching them to be able to live independent of you. They must learn to be independent of you. You raise your children to let them go. Hang on too tightly, hang on too long, and you'll damage your kid. You raise them to become independent of you. But then you also want to teach your children to be dependent on God. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread represents every kind of resource. Now when we talk about emotional issues and issues of mental health, here is the antidote to worry. If kids don't learn this, they they can grow into worry warts. Provision is the answer to worry. God says to us, I want you to trust me, and I want you to relax. And God wants us to teach that to our children, that they would know and actually experience God as Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. That if we will keep our eyes focused on Jesus every day, we will discover that he is the one who is able to meet our every need. And by the way, one of the best ways to teach this is just to be praying to God about our needs as a family. And if your child has a need to encourage your child to pray about it, maybe keeping a prayer journal as a family, what you've been praying about, and record how God answers, this is a great thing to do. Let's keep going. Number two, we need to teach our children that God forgives me so I can forgive others. 
This is such a powerful thing to teach our kids. We live in a world that is so often slow to forgive and allows unforgiveness to take a root in our lives, our souls, and it just produces bitterness so that we just stink of bitterness wherever we go. You know what I mean? Do you know any people who stink of bitterness? It just kind of oozes out of them. It's awful. Hey, the, the twin emotions of guilt and resentment, they just keep people in bondage all of their lives. It's awful. It's tragic. It's, it, it creates unnecessary messes. It stinks. And that's why the Lord's Prayer says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, or as it's put in the old RSV, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God forgives me, so I must forgive others. You know, in your life, your children are going to be hurt. You can't stop that. You were hurt, and your parents couldn't stop you from being hurt. And you have hurt other people. And I hate to tell you this, but your kids are going to hurt other people. None of us are perfect. We need to teach your kids that they can't expect perfection even of themselves, and they can't expect perfection from other people, and you can't expect perfection of your kids. The Bible says all have sinned. That means you, me, the Pope, everybody. And as a result, we all carry regrets. Everybody does. We, we all carry guilt. We all carry shame. But God doesn't want that. So that's why God, through the Apostle John, says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we just need to teach our kids to confess our sins to God. Now, many of you know that I was raised Catholic and well, I don't believe in the idea that you have to go to a priest to give a confession and the priest on behalf of God will absolve you of your sins. But still, uh, that was a very healthy process if you learned actually how to confess uh, your sin. And in reality, it, it, it's to God, not to the priest. The priest in Catholicism just acts as an intermediary. Anyways, my, my Catholic grade one teacher taught me how to confess my sin, and it was a healthy thing to learn. In an evangelical church like Fort City, I don't know if we do as good of a job of teaching our kids the power of confession because it's freeing. It's cleansing. It, it deals with guilt and shame that we would otherwise stack up. We really need to teach our kids to confess to God, to ask for God's forgiveness, and, and then to help our kids experience God's promise that he will forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when I went into grade one as a six-year-old, I, I had already racked up a heap of sin with a share of guilt and shame. I was just one six-year-old mega sinner or something. At, at six years of age, I had been caught by the police with a group of friends crawling into sewers that were, we knew we were not supposed to be into, but the place seemed so awesome to explore, so we had to. And when the policeman hauled us out of those sewers, he scared the crap out of me when he sternly, like really and sternly, told us that we should not be doing that, that we could get ourselves killed doing something so stupid. And the policeman was also my neighbor, so I knew him, and I was sure he was going to tell my parents, but he didn't. I always worried that he would. I knew that I had done something I shouldn't have, and I got caught, and I got caught by someone I knew, and the guilt and the shame were real. I've told this story a couple of times before, but I was sort of a gang leader of a small group of five- and six-year-olds. We had this little posse. We, uh, we really wanted to grow up quick, okay? And uh, when I was a kid, there was no email and stuff like that. And the most exciting part of the day, it, it used to be like this. You just don't understand it. When, when the mailman came to your house, actually, and brought mail, highlight of the day. And the problem was that mail was only for adults, not for kids. 
So my little gang got together and talked about it, and we decided that we would go get ourselves some mail. And that meant taking it from someone who actually got mail and, and then uh, split the booty five ways. I mean, just seemed like an awesome idea, right? Now, I'm not surprised to say that there was a, you know, I don't know if I want to call it racism, I guess, that's part of this. Several of the boys' dads in my group had fought against the Germans in the Second World War, so there was a little bit of anti-German sentiment that got passed to us kids from, from these dads. I mean, it, it wasn't intense or anything. Uh, uh, somebody just needed to be the bad guy, right? And we watched TV shows like Combat and Hogan's Heroes, so, uh, you know, good guys versus bad guys. And plus, one of these dads, he had these decommissioned British 303 military rifles that he let us play with. We actually played war on the street with real but decommissioned guns from World War II that we could barely carry because they were so heavy, but it was really cool. And the Germans were the bad guys. I'm not always proud of this. It is what it is. And we were running around with decommissioned 303s taking out the enemy, okay? Now, I get this is wrong on multiple fronts. Real guns, the Germans as bad guys. Run around with decommissioned 303s today and the SWAT team would be there in no time, right? But no concern at all in my day, in my night, like not an ounce of concern. But what this meant is that when it came to picking a home that we would relieve of their man, well, the, we, we, we debated as to who this would be and then it was just easy. There was a German family at the end of the street that drove a Volkswagen Beetle, so they seemed as, as easy as anybody. And I apologize to any of you of German background that at six years of age, I actually thought that way. I'll blame it on Hogan's heroes. But anyways, um, and what was crazy, by the way, is that my best friend when I was six was a kid named Otto Wurzbach. He was German, and he fought the Germans with us. So uh, six-year-old minds are not all that consistent, okay? And uh, we, Otto and I still connect over Facebook. That's cool. Well, we stole mail from this family for several weeks uh, until the family uh, finally realized that something wasn't quite right and began talking with the neighbors, right? And this led the dad of one of our gang members to do a little search of his kid's bedroom, and yeah, he found a stash of mail. It was game over, like we were done. And the dressing down that I got from my father was really severe, and the guilt and the shame was huge. And then I heard my grade one teacher that if I confess my sin to Jesus, even if it's through a priest, but it is to Jesus, that Jesus will forgive my sin. And so I went to my first confession with a list. Not sure what the priest thought of my list when he heard it, but for me it was healing, it was freeing. The truth sets you free even when you're six. I heard a dad at the men's breakfast on Saturday say that he doesn't dismiss the emotions and feelings of his seven-year-old, but takes them seriously and works with them. I think that's being a good dad because, man, the emotions of a six- or seven-year-old can be intense. It certainly was for me. So not only do I need to learn to be forgiven, I need to learn to forgive others as a parent. You have to teach your child to ask for forgiveness, to accept forgiveness, and to offer forgiveness. You, you do that by modeling forgiveness. And uh, that sometimes means that you ask your child to forgive you, and, and your child needs to see you asking others for forgiveness, right? It, it, they need to see forgiveness happening. And, and let me tell you why this is really so important. Your, your child's biggest problems in life are not going to be financial. They're not going to be academic, you know, how they're doing in school or some other area. Their biggest problems are going to be relational. Come on. Your biggest problems are relational, right? So to learn how to get along, it just means I have to learn how to accept, how to ask for, and how to offer forgiveness. Now, a third thing. 
that I as a parent need to teach my child is that number three, God will help me to do what is right. And this is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. What are we doing when we pray that? We're praying for God's power to do right. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. No temptation has overtaken you such as, except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I mean, that's a pretty powerful promise. This is the protection that is available to us and our kids as we keep our lives in alignment with Jesus. God says, I will protect you from doing wrong things and I will help you to do what's right. We got to teach our kids this. We got to live this ourselves. Hey, God doesn't, God just doesn't expect us to do what's right. He empowers us by his spirit to do what's right. This is core to the Christian faith. God will give you the ability. He, he doesn't just set the standard and tell you to use sheer willpower to meet the standard. No, instead he says, if you will trust me, I, I will give you strength to do right. I, I will give you power to do right. If all we do is tell our kids what is right, but don't teach them how to connect with God who wants to help them to do right, if we don't teach our kids how to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit, well, we set our kids up for uh, failure and frustration. God will help me to do what is right. Number four. The fourth thing that God wants to teach us is that first he wants to teach us and then he wants us to teach our children is that God will protect me from evil. Every child needs to learn that God has promised to protect us from evil. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, some versions say deliver us from the evil one. You know, there is a, there's a lot of debate out there as to whether the world is getting more evil or not as you compare today to the rest of world history. Here's how I see it. Whether the world is more evil now than before, I, I don't know, but within my lifetime, there are a lot more wackos, weirdos, and very evil people than ever before. Maybe not in world history, okay? There have been worse times in history, but in my lifetime, absolutely. As I look over my lifetime, the question I ask is, is the world getting safer for children or, or more unsafe for children? As I look at uh, the kids in Kid City, the world is much scarier than when I was a kid. I mean, what my parents let me do, where they let me go, that would be considered negligent parenting today. Now, sometimes today's parental paranoia goes too far, like way too far, and we could talk about that. And all I'll say is that's why we need the Lord's Prayer. We have to pray for God's protection from evil. We have to pray for God's protection over our children. We, we have to learn to trust God in an evil world. Because in a sin-wrecked world, there are no guarantees. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people who pray. But still we pray because God has told us to. Still we pray because prayer does make a difference. As I've told you before, I'm pretty sure I'm in ministry today because of the prayer of a great uncle and a great aunt. Prayer can have impact for generations. It's powerful. You know, I think what's really changed in today's world is that evil people can get right at your kids, right in your house, right in their bedroom, right? It's called the Internet. It's on the phone. It's on the computer. It's, it's on the smart TV and on and on. And there's just stuff out there that can really mess with the minds and the hearts of your kids. 
By the time a child is 18, uh, your child has amassed a bare minimum of 18,000 hours of TV and screen time and the number of incredibly violent murders and distorted sexuality and sexual assaults that's being fed into their minds is beyond imagination and calculation. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, deliver us from evil. We discover that God's answer to evil is his power. Now, you can't protect your kids from everything that's going to happen. The moment they start to go to school, you don't control most of their time. You cannot control what happens to your kids. You, you cannot protect them all the time. And so we entrust our children to the loving care of God. What's out of our control is not out of God's control. And there's power to prayer. There's covering that comes from, for your kids when you pray. It is a sin-wrecked world full of evil. I wish it wasn't. And I wish that God always protected the way that I wanted to protect, but here's what I know. God answers prayer. Prayer makes a difference. And while I don't understand why God doesn't always protect the way I think he should, I'm so thankful that he does protect, that he does deliver. I am so thankful that prayer does make a difference. And hey, you never stop praying for your kids. You keep praying when they're 30, 40, 60. You never stop. Okay, one last one, and I think this one is significant as well. We must teach our children that there's more to life than here and now. You know, we, we tend to live like all that matters is now. All that matters is right here. We live for here and now. I, I mean, the average person is not big on long-term thinking. Now, I will get some pushback on that. There are a good number of people wrestling with issues of the environment and sustainability who are trying to figure out how to protect the future. And it is a conversation we do need to have no matter where you stand on those kinds of issues. But even with that kind of debate about the future in our culture, overall, the, the big issue for most people is short-term thinking and just the inability to delay gratification. I want it. And I want it now. And and sure, I'm going to live within my means. I mean, even if that means putting it all on Visa or on my line of credit, I'll live within my means, yeah. And you see this in our politicians as well, and I need to be careful what I say here. So without throwing support in any direction, because I think all the political parties get caught up in this, but with the downturn in oil prices, I think our country has been caught with its pants down when it comes to uh, racking up debt. And uh, because we, we just have to have it now, right? And if you don't deliver it now, if you cut back, then you are cruel and lacking compassion. Andrew Scheer just announced that if he were to become prime minister, he would have to renege on balancing the budget, a promise he made two years ago, um, and that from his perspective, our actually the promise he made was that he would balance it in two years. I don't know when he made it. He just says that he can't keep it anymore because it's not humanely possible to do as he promised. My point, actually, is not political. It's just that our inability to live within balanced budget is just a symptom of our short-term thinking where we want everything now. Friends, what we have to learn is that it's simply irresponsible. Buy things you don't need with money you don't have, right? It's true with my family. It's true with the church. It should be true of our country. We have to teach ourselves and our children that there's more to life than here and now. And that if we understand this, it will have huge impact on how we invest our time, our talents, our money. We have to learn and, and we have to teach our kids how to live beyond ourselves and beyond the here and now. And we have to learn what it means to become a part of what God is doing in this world. And that means throwing your support behind causes that are close to God's heart, 
causes that change lives now and forever. We, we can actually teach our kids to be doing things that have impact for years to come that actually impacts the lives of their friends and their family uh, and people around the world for eternity. I mean, how cool is that? God allows us to play a role in what eternity looks like. Your, your child needs to think not just about the here and now, but long term. Your child needs to think not just long term, but about eternity. Notice how the Lord's Prayer wraps up. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever. Amen. Forever. You've got to teach your children that life is not all there is. That you're going to spend more of your life on the other side of death than on this side. I mean, that's the forever part. I mean, parents, do you think about eternity with your kids? You're going to get 80 years on the planet, maybe 100 at the most. That's not very much compared to trillions in eternity. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever. Amen. Okay, let's wrap up. The Lord's Prayer is all about the truth that God is in control, that he is sovereign. Sure, the world at times looks a little bleak, a little dark, but God is in control. And because God is an all-powerful God in control, we can trust him with our needs and, and know that he can help us navigate through the storms and the messes that we come up against. And if we teach our kids these truths, the truths of the Lord's Prayer of how our all-powerful God, who is in control, walks with us as we trust Him. That's what will give your kids the firm foundation they need to flourish in this world as they live and love well to the glory of God. So from last week, we need to teach our kids that, number one, God wants an intimate relationship with me. And secondly, God's name deserves my honor because in God's name are all the attributes of God that meet me where I'm at, starting with God's love. And thirdly, God's purpose for me is part of a much, much larger plan. And then from today, that God really can and wants to meet my needs. He may define my needs a little differently than I do, but he will meet my needs. And then that God forgives me so that I can forgive others. Such a powerful, powerful truth for building strong relationships in a relationally messy world. The third thing from today to teach our kids is that God will help me to do what's right. God just doesn't set the standard. He empowers us to reach the standard. I mean, how cool is that? And then God will protect me from evil. In an evil world, God is with me. God will help me navigate evil. He will give me strength to withstand evil. He will give me power to endure evil. And one way or another, God will protect me from evil. And lastly, there's more to life than here and now. There's forever. There's eternity. And that's a whole lot longer than here and now. So with God's help, let's live to make a difference for eternity. So you up to the challenge. Up to the challenge personally. Up to the challenge for parenting. Will you grab onto those truths for yourself? Will you embrace those eight truths from the Lord's Prayer? Will you personally live these eight truths? And then will you teach them, model them, live them before your children? Because everything you need, everything your child needs, is in God. And the Lord's Prayer is the way into this life that God would have us live now that changes eternity. So let's close as we did last week by saying the Lord's Prayer together. We'll pray as we did last week using the old traditional words that some of you who are older learned in school. This is from the 1928 edition of the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. 
Would you stand as we uh, say the Lord's Prayer together? So let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated, and I'm just going to continue to pray. Father God, help us all to become people of this prayer, people of your prayer, the Lord's Prayer. May we not only pray this prayer, but God, help us to live this prayer. And may our children learn the power of this prayer from us. And may their lives be transformed now and forever. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.